0: Today's episode is about taking something familiar and making something brand new out of it. Sound is something that has been ever-present in our lives, all of our lives. It is all around us telling us what to do. An alarm goes off, sound tells us to wake up. A car horn honks, sound tells us the light might have just changed without us noticing, or we may have just got someone off. The chip reader beeps, sound tells us we've made a successful purchase. And in enters the subtlety of sound marketing. Sound tells us what to do or gives us assurance that we've just completed something, like a transaction. And this is what this podcast is all about. How can we utilize this very powerful tool of sound marketing within our brand and company? My name is Gina and I'm Head of Audio at Dreamer Productions and Stageham Entertainment. I create sound identities for companies, brands, individuals, and events. This podcast is here to educate on the power of sound, the possibilities of sound, and the accessibility of sound in marketing to all brands, both big and small. Sound marketing is a great way to break through the noise that visual marketing creates. This podcast breaks down what has happened, is happening, and insights on what's happening in the future. But the biggest takeaway is that you can be a company of one or a company of a thousand. Sound marketing is accessible and affordable for us all. Starting from scratch and interrupting the space of what's organically growing as familiar to you and your consumers is hardly ever a good idea. Taking something familiar, stripping it down to find the essence of what makes it likable and relatable and on-brand, and creating something brand new and established at the same time, well, that's just smart. Whenever you rebrand or initially brand, you have to consider your audience. Whether you're starting from scratch or rebranding, you should have some semblance of your ideal consumer in your head or on paper, and your branding should always reflect that person. Alongside deciding if they're male or female, old or young, their occupation and income, you should also be considering what they are listening to. In this day and age, you, me, everyone is listening to a lot. And it's not just music. From the moment we wake up to the moment we fall asleep, sound surrounds us. Like them or not, the Chemical Brothers and Formula One just formed what I see as an excellent partnership that benefited both parties. Tom Rollins and Ed Simmons, a.k.a. the Chemical Brothers, are longtime Formula One fans. They were approached by Formula One to design a sonic branding. The duo accepted and created what they are deeming the fastest remix of all time. They took their track We've Got to Try off of their upcoming album No Geography and sped it up 15,000 beats per minute. The significance? It was to model the 15,000 RPMs that a Formula One car is capable of doing. Three seconds long, the remix will launch as the global sonic branding for Formula One. They will also use No Geography as their sonic guide, if you will, for their upcoming Formula One 2019 season. Maybe you already get why this is so smart, but just in case, I'll lay out my thoughts. Both Formula One and the Chemical Brothers have so much to gain from this. For instance, the band are fans. What better musicians to choose to create your sound than fans? Being fans, they are more likely to talk about the partnership to their fans, a.k.a. me, that may not necessarily have anything to do with Formula One, a.k.a. me, and at least create a slight intrigue on what they're all about. That creates a larger market for Formula One. Here are some ways that it benefits the Chemical Brothers. The first obvious one is they got a commission off of this. I have no idea if they sold copyright or retained royalties or or any of that, but they got paid. Secondly, they're getting free press and record spins on their upcoming album. And as I mentioned before with Formula One potentially acquiring Chemical Brothers fans, the same goes for Chemical Brothers potentially acquiring Formula One fans. It's a win-win. So simple, but brilliant at the same time. And another way that I see this being beneficial in the long run is when Formula One wants to rebrand or redevelop or update their sonic identity, they have this band that already gets them, that have already worked for them, and that is just as invested as them to come up with something great. I found out the creative agency that worked on this was Wyden and Kennedy London. Great job, guys. Those companies that actually have the bigger budget can still get the popular artist that they enjoy and think can bring something to their brand and then recruit them to do their thing, creating something unique that is not tied to their own brand, but has the flair of the brand. You get a product that is new with a flair of familiar. This is different than choosing the latest top 40 track on Billboard and incorporating it into your brand or marketing campaign. The danger in this is, one... You've chosen a song that already has its own identity, and that identity is attached to that artist. Two, once that artist or that song becomes irrelevant, so does your marketing attached to it. According to a recent Nielsen survey, 75% of Americans choose music as their top form of entertainment. That's above TV by 2%. This is where we should be focusing our marketing dollars, the music of the people. With that much influence, why not focus some attention on popular music? And for those of us with smaller pocketbooks, let's think of it even more simplistically. What are people listening to? Say Cardi B or Ed Sheeran or Khalif? Now let's break it down. And this, of course, is subjective, but a good exercise. Why are they listening? Is it truly for the music? Because sometimes it's not. And if it is for the music, what is that it factor? If you're not a fan of the artist or the genre, don't let that stop you hit up a Facebook group or friends or family, ask. In fact, ask a lot of people. Call all that information together and see what is the common factor. From that, search out that sort of music from music libraries or friends that write in that style. You don't have to license to Cardi B to get the Cardi B effect. You just have to spend some time on it, do some research, do some digging. And on top of finding out what the it factor is on that track or artist, Find out what they have that complements your brand and vice versa. If you can't find anything, then don't go that route. Cardi B may be popular, but if she's not speaking to you and your audience, you're doing yourself a disservice and creating an insincerity. And insincerity breeds lack of trust, which leads to your consumer becoming disinterested and finding something new. If you're not sure what I mean by insincerity, think of your visual logo. If on every different page of your website, your brand logo is different, that's insincere. If you have a different logo for every different piece of social media that you manage, that's insincere. Insincerity is created by the lack of uniformity in your message. One great reason or argument, if you will, for developing a sound for your brand is cross-promotion between the visual marketplace and the ever-increasing voice marketplace. What I'm talking primarily about here is voice commerce. Voice commerce is primarily thought of in the realm of Amazon Marketplace, but I believe it's so much more than that. What's happening right now is Alexa is learning products, but I think it's learning much, much more. So with that being said, everyone who has a business of any kind needs to be in on this. I need to be in on this. For example, I have a service. I'm an audio editor and producer for things like podcasts, and I also write custom music and sound identities. My primary work is business to business, but I also license directly to consumers where they can buy my music from online marketplaces. There's my in on why this is important for me to understand. By being online and trying to rank in Google's crazy algorithms and analytics, I should also be getting myself indexed on Alexa and Google Home and Sonos, Airplay 2, etc. Going back to the familiar comment, voice commerce, as it rises, is utilizing familiarity with their model. It's listening to what you say. It's learning what you want and what you regularly purchase. It's making a list. I have a friend who has a music group. He's a solo pop artist from the 80s and he now has a group called Smash Mob. He's been saying his band into Alexa for quite a while now and he's happy to report that Alexa now searches for Smash Mob instead of Smash Mouth. This is an excellent example of how saying your brand into voice tech matters. He's been indexed, and ideally, a fan will have that much less of an issue finding him because of it. I mentioned this in episode one, but seeing as we've brought it up again, I'm re-including this link for the Echo Dot. It's $50, cheaper than Alexa, and in my opinion, a great transition into voice tech for your research and development. Investment into new marketing tech shouldn't break the bank, but it's still a must-have. I encourage you, especially if you have an online product, to teach this tech what you sell and even what you do. Speaking of voice-activated technology, I was able to work on a project several years ago for a startup sound for a piece of hardware. The idea was that the customer would push a button on a piece of hardware that would make a noise, kind of like when you push the speaker icon on your phone to ask it a question. Then the customer would ask it a question. It was, up until that point, the most unique commission I had gotten. I was tasked to create a sound that reflected the company using key phrases like easy, honest, authoritative, comforting, and friendly. I sent them three options. They liked the third, and bam, I had my first official Sonic branding check in the mail. Not every job I've gotten has been that smooth. It's a special gift to interpret people's wishes, especially with different personalities and the fact that they can't always communicate what it is that they want to hear. But practice makes perfect, and it is my job to draw it out of them. I'm the designer, not them. I had mentioned it in episode three, but it's so stinking fascinating to me that I have to mention it again. Woodstock 50 is still looking for home. Apparently, Watkin Glen's Speedway pulled out, and as the countdown to August 16 to 18 looms, this is almost starting to sound like a fire festival situation. Two months to potentially the biggest part two music festival celebration ever, and they don't have a venue. Eh, It's a little scary. This podcast is for you, so please let me know if there's anything in particular you've been curious about. Don't be afraid to be vague or even of talking in incomplete sentences. I get it. It's new and ever-changing. That's why I'm here, to help bridge that gap between traditional marketing and this whole new way of thinking. I hope that you're enjoying the podcast. For more information on me and what I do, or what I can do for you, you can find me at dreamerproductions.com. That's D-R-E-A-M-R productions.com, LinkedIn, and Facebook. All of the links will be listed in the show notes. I'd love to help you on your sonic branding journey in any way I can. So leave a comment, write a review, send me an email, and let's chat more. I'm excited about all the exciting possibilities of sound in marketing.